This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. Hi, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR pattern rifle into a straight pull-bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford at Cali Key. Check out CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Hey, and if you have legal matters that involve anything gun-related, you need a great lawyer. I recommend Dillon Law Group. John Dillon will consult on red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, and storage, and you can totally trust him as a firearms attorney. You can call him at 760-642-7150 or just go to his website, DillonLawGP.com. All right, guys. So what is going on? How you been? Good, man. It's a uh, you know, heck of a week, a whole bunch going on. If you, if you haven't heard, we had to... Uh, we had to move the Second Amendment celebration mm-hmm. dinner to October 3rd. Which is not a really a problem. That just gives more people more opportunities to, to come. And by the way, I don't know if you heard, <laughs> but John Dillon gave away uh, five seats last week. Yes. Within two minutes, he had over 20 emails. <laughs> he said he got inundated, and maybe even more, so... Good that we know all our loyal listeners are listening. Well, so. it is. And to the 15 people that couldn't get a ticket. Uh, now t- you have an opportunity. Now you have an opportunity. Tickets are on sale. The early bird special is still in effect. So you do not have to pay $150. It's right. only 99 And it gets you all kinds of fun and a meal and entertainment. Yep. And you might win a prize. And it'll be outdoors still, you know, yep. so there you won't have any issues with that. And we don't know where we're going to be at that ta- point. Ta- ta- yeah, town and country. Still yep. at the town and country. Resigned the... Uh, contract well uh, Brittany, i invited Brittany to go with her fiance or boyfriend and she even had her appointment to have her hair done on thursday so now she had to cancel her hair appointment i said just go get your hair done you know <laughs> and joe's gonna be there yeah joe's, joe's got a couple tables. he's already got his appointment so yeah. for his hair yeah hold on a second turn on joe over there mr brandon yeah joe's gonna get he, joe's gonna again. joe's gotta get he's so covert that we can't even i don't even know we don't even get audio from him but but Joe's going to get his hair done for the occasion. Uh, I know he works with one of the best in the county. So, but uh, but yeah, it's I'll tell you, it's been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting Second Amendment week. So, um, you know, we've uh, you know we continue to work hard with San Diego County gun owners, and we've uh, uh, you're really starting to see some of the elected officials buckle uh, when their uh, their metal is being tested by all the COVID restrictions. Um, and, uh, you know, so we've been paying a lot of attention to that. But today, in our next segment coming up at 415, we're actually talking with Stephen Hallbrook, who's the author of the book, The Founders Second Amendment. 
you know, and the Founder's Second Amendment, that book is probably the best book I've ever seen on the history of the Second Amendment. There's a lot of different things to talk about when you talk about the Second Amendment. There's the legality of the Second Amendment. There's the philosophy of the Second Amendment. Now, you've read the Founder's Second Amendment, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah, Joe's read it. He's he's had a he's had a uh, Joe's read the book. He's he's recommended the book to others. Um, it's uh, it's it's been really really great. But you you have read it, right? Yeah. Let's see. Okay, I can help you from here now. You don't have to wing it by yourself anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can go back um, to your your mic. Can but, I? You told me to come over here. Well, I'll help Michael out, and then I'll be back. But the his, the historic <laughs> oh. significance of how the Second Amendment came to be. Uh, it's really something that we haven't examined enough, and Hallbrook's really written the the definitive book on the subject, and it's particularly timely because well, there's a lot of things going on with COVID nineteen and the riots and everything. You know, well, we have the Second Amendment, and we generally know what it protects, but what's the historical significance? Why was it written? Well, and that's what's great about it too, because I think a lot of people don't don't realize that you know when they they don't take it in context. I think the people that wrote the Second Amendment and the Constitution and all that had just gone through all this stuff with their revolution and the war and everything. And, you know, you have to think about it in context. A lot of people today, the ones that are anti, well, a lot of the left is anti, it's not just Second Amendment, they're anti-First Amendment, they're anti-Constitution. But if you think about, you know, the things that, that these people experienced and why they wrote things like the Second Amendment, for instance, is just... Um, you know, they don't they don't look at that as a it's not a government given right. They look at it as a God given right or a natural human right to be able to protect yourself. And just, you know, firearms are just a natural part of that. And um, and there were people back then that didn't even think that was necessary. They thought that was so obvious that, OK, you won't have to include that in here. But in Holbrook's book, um, he he uses um, he uses information from back then. So he's using articles that were in the papers back then and things that the founders wrote. And so you're seeing it from their perspective and it's fascinating. It's a great book. And, and a lot of people, you know, the, the, a lot, the argument is, is, uh, well, gee, you know, how can owning a gun be a God given right? You know, when we were mm-hmm. created, there was no gun. I mean, the guns are, you know, guns are a couple hundred years old, but what's being missed is that the, the right is to protect yourself. And if you, don't have the ability to protect yourself, you know, i.e. a firearm, the most effective tool ever created to for an individual to be able to defend their life or their country or their neighborhood. If you take that away, then you are taking away their ability, their right to defend themselves. Well, And that's what I'm saying. If you don't want to give them the ability to do that, then you go back to the really olden days where, OK, the fastest, biggest, strongest people are in charge. Right. And right away, if you look at it from a woman's point of view, Okay, now you've you've lost to fifty percent of the people you know in the planet here. Mm-hmm. So by having firearms and stuff in our modern society, that equalizes everybody. So you have the ability to defend yourself. And you know, for for if you look at again a portable firearm, you know something you could actually not a cannon or a big machine gun, you know, being you know pulled behind a horse. But the actual ability to have uh, a portable firearm that you could carry around with that an individual could carry around with them. Just a couple hundred years old, really. Right. But if you look at the last couple hundred years, look at how much has happened. You know, we've we've gotten a country that was built on the idea of defending individual rights. Mm-hmm. We've had LGBT rights, you know, have expanded more than any other time in history. Uh, minority rights, um, women's rights. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> That's yeah. not a coincidence that that was that same 200 years. So uh, a lot of people don't really uh, take the time to look back and say, okay, well, what brought us here? You know, why were we the first nation to, um, you know, codify 
uh, a natural right and say, hey, you know what? You're allowed to have the same uh, self-defense tools as you know the government. You know, we're the first country to, to do anything even close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what brought it? What 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 brought us to that? What brought the colonies to include that and make sure? And and I got to tell you, um, Holbrook's book has just nailed nailed it. I mean, he explains it. Uh, so thoroughly and so effectively. Uh, it's one of the best books ever written. I'm really happy that we're going to have them up coming, coming in the next segment. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's important that we bring this up because the people that are anti don't want to read that book and they don't want you to read that book. They want you to keep that they're just out of the out of the conversation because they don't want anybody to have another opinion. It doesn't fit their narrative. No, it does not fit their narrative. No, no different than trying to ban the NRA. Now, I, I okay, bad uh, people do bad things. People make mistakes. I don't care if you're a police officer, a cook, a secretary, a banker, a car dealer. You know, but you don't close down all the car dealerships. You don't close down all the schools. You don't close down all the banks because one or two people that do poor judgment and make mistakes so with the nra is the nra perfect no it's not perfect nothing is perfect so because it is that what it is you know you need to look at it with a different outlook and i personally have not read the book but i will definitely do it because it's i love it's to great read. way to hear the author the other thing we have coming up at 5 15 is sheriff gore he was he was going to join us last week he's definitely going to be on this uh, week at 5 15 so speaking of your your right to 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 bear arms mm-hmm. we're going to talk to uh we've been talking a lot about how ccws have changed now we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth sheriff right, gore exactly. so, so stick with us right and there was no 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 reference to uh, Sheriff Gore and a horse. <laughs> no, not that, at this point in time anyway. Figuratively, figuratively speaking. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's a whole lot more right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Mike to come on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, what's the best defense for self-defense and those horrible new red flag laws? Firearms Legal Protection. Mike, Joe, and I use them, and Firearms Legal Protection is the legal defense program for the lawful gun owners with a 24-7 emergency hotline and plans designed specifically for the firearms owner. Call Firearms Legal Protection today. That's Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com. Or call direct at 469-310-9100. That's 469-310-9100. FirearmsLegal.com. Hey, home mortgage interest rates have dropped. And if you're looking to buy or refi, or maybe you're considering a reverse mortgage, you need to call the local mortgage guy that you can trust. That would be Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine. All right, Mike, I'm going to let you uh, introduce our special guest. It is an honor. So years ago, before there was a San Diego County Gun Owners PAC, um, a group of activists got together uh, with the help of then Assemblyman uh, Joel Anderson, who's who's now former Senator Joel Anderson. Mm-hmm. 
And we decided, you know what, we we need to do more. We need to be more organized. And they we wanted basically we were putting together a curriculum of how to be a Second Amendment activist. And that how to be a Second Amendment activist curriculum is now turned into a seminar that we actually regularly give. And I was voluntold to uh, put the curriculum together. And one of the great uh, things that I found was the book called The Founders Second Amendment by Stephen Holbrook. Uh, Stephen is an attorney by trade, but he put together and authored uh, this fantastic book that really uh, talks about not necessarily the, uh, the, the the legalities or the philosophy of the legalities of the Second Amendment, um, but uh, talks about the history of the Second Amendment. You know, why did this, why was it written? What were the conditions that it was written? Who wrote it? Soup to nuts from beginning to end. And it is truly a masterpiece. A it is the definitive book on the subject, and it is my pleasure to welcome Stephen to the show today. Stephen, how are you? I'm great. Uh, how are you, guys? And what year did you start your organization? We started San Diego County Gun Owners in the end of 2015, and uh, since okay. yeah, since then we've we've grown to we we now have Orange County Gun Owners and Riverside County Gun Owners. San Bernardino County Gun Owners, and just uh, this month we went over 2,000 members of San Diego County Gun Owners. That's fantastic. I was just curious because every year it gets worse in your state. The laws that get passed are just such an anathema to the Second Amendment. And I I started working in your state in 1989 when Roberti Ruse, the so-called assault weapon ban, started. And I'm in a little bit of litigation there, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how you people do it. Well, I got to tell you, um, it 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 gets it, it's been getting worse, but th- there's been a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. We've had a, a number of victories locally. Um, you know, for the first time in, in years, we San Diegans and Orange people in Orange County and people in Riverside, we're, they're starting to issue CCWs for the first time in in San Diego. The first time in decades, it, it went from 1,100 to over 4,000, and they're issuing 120, 130 a month now. So it really shows that hey, if if you organize, if you do the right things, that uh, good things can happen. So you know, San Diego, I should say, California has a rich Second Amendment history, and if San Diego County gun owners has anything to, to say about it, we're going to have a real rich Second Amendment future. But I got to tell you, I was so inspired and so informed by your book, The Founder's Second Amendment. Would would you mind? Could you just kind of maybe just give us a synopsis? What what uh, tell us what the book uh, attempts to cover and talk about and educate on. Well, it's a lifetime of research. I started doing reading about the Second Amendment history and the debates on the ratification of the Constitution, all of that, back when I was an undergraduate in the late 60s. And um, so I put it all together, many decades of, of research, and um, it, it basically starts in 1768. At that time, the British troops were sailing to Boston and the fear immediately was that they were going to disarm the inhabitants. And so um, that just was the start. We go through the period like the, the Boston Massacre and um, the uh, Tea Party and one thing after another. And finally, in, a, in the early 1770s, the British are trying to disarm the colonists and colonists are fighting back. And then we have the shot around the world, the Lexington and Concord and not many people know it, but after that battle, General Gage, the commander-in-chief of the British forces, disarmed all the people in Boston. And so that really, that and then what happened after that, the war for independence started, 
two things were, uh, two lessons were learned. One was that the, the British are trying to disarm the Americans. Tyrants do that. And the other side of that was that you have to be armed in order to protect your liberty. So those lessons were remembered when it came time for the Constitution. You know, it was proposed originally with no Bill of Rights, and so that led to great anguish by a lot of people. So they demanded the Bill of Rights, and that's how we ended up with the right of the people to keep and bear arms and the declaration that it shall not be infringed. And it was so clearly an individual right to keep and bear arms for all lawful purposes. Um, you were just talking about concealed weapon permits being issued. Well, bear arms is such an obvious meaning to that. Mm -hmm. And yet you have courts saying that, well, that doesn't mean anything. And, um, oh, it means carrying arms in a militia or something. I mean, what kind of right is that? I mean, this is an individual right for self-defense, to protect the country, to protect your community. So when you put all that history together, the Second Amendment means exactly the way it's written. There was never any any um, uh, baffling uh, vagueness to it, like courts try to make out some in some cases nowadays. But um, So it's getting fought out in, in the courts. I mean, we've got most states have pretty good laws about carrying, um, and it's only about eight that, that do not. But um, you're, you're somewhat fortunate in your state where the law is written in a way where there's discretion on what policy the sheriff or other issuing authority has. So, so that's great to hear you're, um, you're making progress in that. Way. We are making great progress. You know, one of the things that was really interesting about your book and, uh, and actually it was, it kind of acted as a guide to colonial Williamsburg. When I visited colonial Williamsburg in Virginia, which is a, if you haven't been there, I, I'm sure you have Stephen. but uh, if, if yeah. our listeners haven't been there, it's like a, a, a um, uh, you know, a, a living museum. Uh, Williamsburg used to be the capital of Virginia. Virginia was the biggest colony of the 13th, uh, uh, colonies there was kind of they were kind of the the leader of the 13 colonies and what was interesting is there's a lot of um, people think or, or talk a lot about how the tea party the boston tea party um kicked off the the uh, uh the war for independence for the uh, for the colonies but really it had more, a lot more to do with arms um there was they tried to take arms the uh, you know from from the virginians and the virginians led by patrick henry you fought back and said this is not going to happen you are not going to take our arms and that the, the governor of virginia who was appointed by the king you know hightailed it out of there he he left overnight um, but really, uh, what really sparked the actual um, conflict, the actual war, uh, you know, was uh, trying to uh, the British trying to take the, the colonists' arms. Is that is that an is that an accurate portrayal, Stephen? Did I, did I say that pretty pretty well? That's completely accurate. The Continental Congress passed the Declaration of Causes of, of Taking Up Arms in 1775, and one of the grievances that it put in there was the fact that the people had been disarmed in in Boston and then were not allowed to leave the town either. There was a promise that if they turned in their arms, they could leave. And, and what happened, in fact, was that the British confiscated their guns and then reneged on the promise. And that started taking place throughout the colonies, the, uh, the colonists being disarmed. And if you go into the history of Virginia, North Carolina, the, the, the southern colonies as well as the northern colonies, you have one attempt after another with the British 
they basically said you have to join our forces or you have to turn in your guns or you'll be considered to be outside the protection of the law, which means that if they caught you with a gun, they could shoot you on the spot if they wish to do so. Yeah. So the, very much so the, the fact was that um, the the British seized the arms, they confiscated the arms, and that that was the basic impetus for having the Second Amendment. The arms, and then, you know, out here we, we are, uh, California is plagued with uh, a new law where they're going after ammunition, and uh, the, the argument from, from people that are trying to basically stop or, or severely restrict the ability for for gun owners to buy ammunition are basically saying hey it, this is ammunition it's not the it's not the right to keep and bear arms this is ammunition that that's different but the reality was um when the when the british were uh, uh trying to stop the colonists it wasn't just the guns they were definitely confiscating guns but they were also trying to regulate powder you know so, so they figured hey uh you know we can take this on both ends we can we can take the guns away and we can stop them from making uh the or having possessing using the one thing that makes a firearm a firearm, and that's the ability to, to shoot a projectile. So they were going after the powder as well. Well, and that was to stop the people that had guns that they couldn't get to. So they figured if they couldn't get your gun, if they stopped the powder, then your gun is worthless unless you use it as a club. Right. Well, General Gage, the same commander-in-chief of the British forces, before the actual fighting started, um, engaged in what was called the gunpowder plot. And at that time, you know, black powder is pretty uh, uh, combustible. I mean, it's not, it was a lot more dangerous than modern smokeless powder. Right. And so it was stored in these powder magazines. And so what Gage did was to have those magazines seized, and he would not allow um, merchants who, who would have magazines stored in these places to, to take it out. And so this was, one, again, one of the grievances these, Patriots tried to meet with him. This was before the, the shooting started. Uh, meet with him and find out, you know, why are you doing this? And and he's saying, well, why are you people buying so many guns and hiding them? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, it was kind of a cat and mouse game on both sides. Yeah, and I bet that story is even better, so people need to buy your book. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you can hang on for another segment with us. Yes, sure thing. All right, that's going to be great. I can't wait. So, folks, don't touch that dial. This is FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment right. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks. Thousands of pandemic panic buyers just found out what San Diego shooters have known for a long time. AO Sword Firearms in El Cajon has the widest selection of guns in the county. A.O. Sword has hundreds of different new and used guns and everything you could want for an AR-15. Whether you're looking for the latest competition rifle, combat pistol, or collectible cowboy iron, you'll find it all at A.O. Sword. They are also professional gunsmiths with a full machine shop. They can clean, repair, upgrade, or even customize your gun, including Cerakote. And check out their full line of champion safes. I just went and checked them out. OMG, you should see these beauties. They look like furniture. 
KO Sword Firearms is at 929 East Main Street, just off Mollison and El Cajon. Best of all, they are friendly, informed, and actively support your rights. See for yourself with their legal and technical updates on Facebook. Check out AOSword.com or call direct at 619-749-4867. All right, Michael, do you want to do a little intro on our special guest? Absolutely. So we're here. We're talking with Stephen Holbrook, who is the author of one of the best, probably, well, the best Second Amendment book I've ever written, <laughs> ever read. Ever written. <laughs> the Founder's Second Amendment. Fantastic book. You know, um, I listen to a lot of speakers talk about the Second Amendment and talk about different issues on YouTube. And uh, one one day I was uh, I was getting ready in the morning, and uh, you know how when when a video on YouTube uh, ends and it just kind of rolls into another mm-hmm. video, and it rolled into another video, and, and the speaker was was talking about the Second Amendment and was so eloquent and it was so well put and it was so informative. I thought, man, I got who is this? You person? cut yourself shaving? Yeah, I cut myself shaving. <laughs> it was it was so it was so fantastic, Stephen Holbrook. And I said, oh, that's the you know second that's founder, the Second guy. Amendment guy. He's so fantastic, such an honor to have you on the show, sir. I'm so glad that you wrote your book and have done all the work you've done. So what what inspired you? What about the Second Amendment? Uh, inspired you to, uh, you know, make it your life's work? Well, um, I was pretty young when all the trouble started in the 1960s. You know, I was a, a teenager and uh, they were restricting firearms, uh, blaming gun owners for riots and um, basically overriding the, the, the Second Amendment. At the same time, you had an ideology created by the legal community that well the right to bear arms doesn't really mean the right to bear arms and the people doesn't mean the people it means the militia and it means the states and there's no individual right here and, and then the culture developed that um they ridiculed the second amendment so then i'm in i find myself in law school and um it, it take constitutional law and they don't even mention the second amendment mm. it, it never gets mentioned and then um, so after I uh, became a practicing lawyer, I began working on Second Amendment issues and doing litigation. And so you have this collective rights theory that was invented out of thin air, and it, it was denial that, that there's any individual right to keep and bear arms. I mean, the the people means the people, the right of people to assemble, be free from unreasonable searches and seizure, and to keep and bear arms. It's, it, it means all the, the public at large. And so... Um, I had read about the founding, and then I just wanted to get deeper into it, and to um, you know, to do the investigation, and, and basically, it ended up as you would think that uh, they they wrote the amendment clearly. They weren't kidding. They were talking about individuals. When you read the works of Jefferson and Madison and all the other founders, uh, they were gun owners. They they defended the right to keep and bear arms. They they hunted. They carried pistols for self defense. Uh, they engaged in shooting matches, and and so there was nothing unclear about the amendment at all. And, and yet we don't have the Supreme Court really taking it on until the Heller case in 2008, and then two years later, McDonald then um, uh, invalidated the handgun bans in Washington D.C. and Chicago. And and by the way, the McDonald decision uh, cited this book, the Founder's Second Amendment. <laughs> so um, anyway, the the research is there. Um, don't don't tell me the amendment doesn't mean anything or it doesn't apply in today's society. It's part of the the Bill of Rights. It's part of our fundamental law. And and 
hopefully it'll always be there. We know, Stephen, and that was what was uh, so great. I thought about your book because Michael said you got to read this book here, the best uh, Second Amendment book out there. And um, you know, and I read your book, and it's just it's fascinating when you read that because a lot of the things that they were going through back then, a lot of the arguments that are uh, not the arguments, but the the things that the British were doing um, to the Americans back then are very similar to what's going on today. And I was going to circle back to, um, to the, you know, the individual right versus the collective right argument, which you just touched on, because when you, you read your book and you, you look at that stuff in context, I mean, it's extremely obvious. It's very obvious that this is an individual right and not a collective right. And, you know, anti-gun people still make that argument today. And I think if, um, if more people were more aware uh, you know, by reading your book and other things like that, um, they wouldn't be able to make that argument because it's just, it's nonsense. So, I mean, when you look at the, um, the stuff that you write about, um, it just, it just becomes very obvious. Well, now what's going on is the, the Supreme court has emphatically said the right to keep arms in your home. Um, you know, that's, that's established. Uh, these were five, four decisions by the skin of our teeth. But so now the next, argument of the anti-gun people as well, that might apply to keeping arms, but bearing arms is just something the militia does. So you have a right to bear arms in the militia. Now think about the implications of that, how ridiculous that is. It refers to the right of the people to keep and bear arms uh, to start with. Uh, have you ever, you know, militia service, that was compulsory. The, the Federal Militia Act 1792 required all able-bodied men to acquire arms and to enlist in the militia. And all the state militia laws were the same. They required it. It's compulsory. That's not our right. I mean, think about a, a mil uh, uh, the, the idea that a military force um, is you're somehow have a right to bear arms in the militia. Are, are you telling me that you could decide one day? Well, I just I'm going to carry my um, my Smith and Wesson. Uh, model 29 44 Magnum today, and, and the officer says, no, you're peeling potatoes. I mean, that's not a right. That's a duty. That, that's a duty. And so we still have this argument that's being made right now, and, and we have certain courts saying that, well, we don't know whether it's a, a right to carry. That's what the Ninth Circuit said in the Peruta case coming out of California. Um, uh, we don't really know what it means. And, and other courts say, well, yeah, there's a right to give them bare arms, but we have these judicial doctrines that we invented. And so you end up presto abracadabra. There is no such right to keep them bare arms. You know, it's like you'll have these long decisions going for 50 pages and saying that, well, uh, bearing arms, and whatever, it's like whatever valley talk. It, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> so they, they, the Supreme Court just turned down uh, about 10 cases that, that were – you know, asked petitioning the Supreme Court to uh, to hear, and the Supreme Court said, "No, nope, we're not going to hear them." Um, what's your opinion on that? I, I know you. I'm sure you followed it. I'm sure you you were familiar with with all ten of them. We've talked about them uh, on the air here. But what's your opinion of why they were turned down, or, or or you know, what's your take on what the next step is? Are they are they waiting for a better case? Is there a better case in the wings? Well, I, I did friend of the court briefs in most of those cases, urging the court to take them. Um, the, the cases couldn't have been better. I mean, one or two of those cases on the right to carry was about as well prepared as it could be. And you, you notice when the Supreme Court didn't decide the New York City uh, idiotic law, you couldn't take a handgun out of your home. 
Mm-hmm. And so New York changed the law so they could get rid of the Supreme Court deciding it. But you had four justices saying that, look, we need to take on the Second Amendment case. Uh, it's getting ridiculous how courts are ignoring it. And and so um, th- those four justices could have said, we're going to take one of these cases, but you don't do that unless you're sure you got a fifth vote. And so uh, the, the, the speculation is that the Chief Justice Roberts could not be relied on to um, to vote the right way. So here, here we go again. Um, it, it, we have a circuit conflict. We have courts that are um, getting conflicting rulings, and the Supreme Court saying, well, I'm just going to ignore this for now. So I, I think eventually the court will, will take some more cases, but who knows when and, um, you know, what, what, what kind of case that would be. They... That New York City case would have been a really easy one for them to decide. It was such a ridiculous law. Um, but maybe you've got some pushback in terms of this carry issue uh, with some members of the court. Yeah, I honestly, you know, the the one of the big reasons we formed San Diego County Gun Owners and Riverside County Gun Owners and Orange and San Bernardino is we were we were t- we realized for well, number one we were tired of waiting. I mean Heller versus DC came out in in 08 and then in 2010 McDonald and we're still here with all these horrible laws in California. We got tired of waiting for the courts, but we really came to the conclusion that that's one tool, you know, in the toolbox, the the, the court system, but unless we really start getting back to good old-fashioned activism and getting the right people elected and following, you know, what this country was supposed to to do, which was elect representatives, uh, you know, that we are engaged with. Um, and we decided, you know, that has to, a lot more of that has to happen. Do you, do you think that, uh, you know, do you think that the courts are going to be able to swoop in and save us? Or do you think this is, this is, this is a long game and we're going to be lucky to see it in our lifetime? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, don't hold your breath waiting for the courts to save you. Uh, it's the same thing with, you better have your own guns because you're your first protector. Don't wait for the police to save you, mm. especially in this day and age when, not, you know, when you need the police in seconds, they'll be there in minutes was the, the rule yesterday. But today it's like, well, we're going to defund the police. So just now you're really on your own. And it's the same with the courts. It, p- political action is uh, might save the, the day a, a lot more frequently than, than judicial action. So and that's why we have. Most states in this country, um, uh, about um, 42 states, have shall issue carry laws. It's because of of, um, mobilizing people politically. And so, yeah, no, you can't rely on the courts. I mean, if you have good judges, sometimes you can do something right, but you don't know where it's going to head. It's just like the the court that um, invalidated the the 10-round magazine limitation in California. Yeah. That's on appeal to the Ninth Circuit. Who knows what they're, the nutty Nats is going to do? So, uh, yes, sir, political action. You're doing the right thing, and, and you know, more power to you. Well, that, we've that, decided that, to, yeah, we've decided to stay and fight because a lot of people are packing up and leaving California. But we don't feel that way. We don't. We feel by, you know, this radio shows what four years old now. Yeah. Yep. And we've been sort of running side by side with San Diego County gun owners. And I can honestly say we've done a lot for San Diego as far as concealed carry permits, uh, bringing people's awareness to what's really going on. We're giving them and we try to stay right down the middle. We try not to be political 
any way, shape, or form. We try to give facts. We bring in a lot of politicians that are like-minded as yourself and us here because I think Mike hit it right on the head. If we don't elect these kind of people into this, uh, you know, into the politics that believe in the Second Amendment and the Constitution, then then we're going the wrong way. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. I'm truly a, a big fan of your work. Well, how do people find your book? Because I have to get it since I'm the car guy and I do a lot of reading. I'd like to read this book. How would I go about finding it? Um, it's so easy to buy books now. I think everybody knows. You just have to know the name of the author and the name of the book. So it's Stephen Holbrook, uh, the founder of Second Amendment. Okay. You might, they might want to look at my website, stephenhallbrook.com. I've done several other books on Second Amendment-related topics, and um, so you can get it from Amazon or you know wherever okay. booksellers exist. All right, that sounds great. Well, I only get books from this Motor Books, which is all car-related, so I don't think that book would be there. But and this one doesn't have a lot of pictures, Dave. So you, you might sure? <laughs> oh man! And as long as the print's big, I don't care. I'm good to go, sir. It was an honor to have you on. You keep up the good fight, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the road. Sounds good. You guys keep up the good fight, too. You got it, buddy. All right, folks, you're listening to FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, what's the best defense for self-defense in those horrible new red flag laws? Firearms Legal Protection. Firearms Legal Protection is a legal defense program for lawful gun owners with a 24-7 emergency hotline and plans designed specifically for the firearms owner. Talk to the good folks at Firearms Legal Protection today. That's Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com. Or you can call them direct at 469-310-9100. That's FirearmsLegal.com. All right, this segment is brought to you by the Gun Range San Diego. I call it the Nordstrom's of Gun Ranges, just not the price. All about service. 7853 Bobo Avenue, Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 7, and 10 to 10 on Friday and Saturday. Go to TheGunRangeSanDiego.com. You can find out all the things that are going on. And when you get down there, you might be lucky enough to run into their firearms expert, Jason. How you doing, bud? I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, you must have taken a day off the other day. I was there, what, last <laughs> Friday? I think you were gone. I figured was... it out. Oh, geez, I, I, was, I was on vacation. I was... Oh, you take a vacation? <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, place. I had one of those for a couple, couple years. I needed that. that yeah, was good. the place was rocking, and you weren't there. But that's okay. Yeah, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that absolutely. But I did see you had a few firearms in the in the cabinet, so it doesn't uh-huh. look like your your cupboards are bare, and the range was going like crazy. It is banging. It is oh, banging. Man. It uh. We're actually getting guns, and we're getting handguns in uh, with a little bit of regularity now. You know, it seems every two, three, you know, every few days we get a 
They get a small shipment of guns, a handful of pistols, and they sell really quick. Glocks, usually Glocks or Springfield XDs, got a lot of, uh, still have a nice, nice big selection of real high-quality Smith & Wesson revolvers. Uh, things are starting to look good. They're starting to finally look a little better for the handguns. We know it's good. There's, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about that last week. There's the, you know, the surge is continuing, and there's kind mm-hmm. of a delayed, you know, we talked about uh, ammo last week, uh, you know, still... Uh, uh-huh getting challenging and now the the thing following the ammo i noticed the other day was uh the reloading stuff um because i was looking right. at primers and um i've you know i've got a, a fair oh, supply but i don't have as many as i thought i did so i, I thought let me uh, look for primers everything's out of stock now so now it's um i think that that follow-up now because you know first you had the the uh the gun shortage or the handgun shortage as manufacturers were trying to you know keep up with the demand and then that was uh-huh. followed by an ammunition shortage. And now with the right. uh, the reloading stuff, like the people that make the primers, you know, are selling right, primers right. to the manufacturers for ammo. And then they're also selling us selling it to us reloaders. And now it looks like that's all backed up. Right. That's kind of like the next like the next logical thing to to start you know to go scarce. Um, we uh, we have noticed a lot of a lot of customers have been calling us lately asking, hey, do you sell primers like this other store? And, we uh, we don't have the licensing for it, but I've kind of I kind of picked up on that. I used to hand load quite a bit, and I've definitely noticed you know just for just just for kicks, I've kind of looked around. You know, hey, I wonder what you know like something real simple like a Lee hand press or an RCB you know RCBS uh, you know single stage presses. You know, even the simple stuff, it's all gone. It's all gone. Uh, I've got uh, there are places like uh, what's it called Redline Ballistics. I used to buy a lot of bullets from that guy Alonzo Mejia on on uh, mission gorge and that guy's so slammed i don't know what to, you know i don't think he knows what to do himself with himself anymore uh but yeah the hand loading business has just been it's just absolutely nuts yeah and, that, that is the next thing to go yeah and even bullets um because I, I i bought bullets a couple of weeks ago and uh even uh, that you know online from extreme bullets normally <laughs> i order those things they ship the next day uh, and i have them a couple of days after that and it took right. like two weeks just to even get it processed and get things to ship. Oh wow! And uh, but oh, every, wow. everything is backed it. up. So, you know, I, I hope people. It, man. That's crazy. Well, I hope people learn from this too, because you know we always uh, people that have been around a long time, like people like yourself that have been shooting for years and years and years. You know, always say yeah. you know stay stocked up. Make sure you have you know people say what six right, months right. to a year's worth of ammo. You know, you know what you regularly mm-hmm. shoot. You know what you shoot in a month. So you should have, you know, six months to a year's worth of that. And, um, you know, I was pretty close. So, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty happy. I was prepared. But, you know, a lot of people were scrambling. So hopefully people learn from this because this kind of stuff happens uh, from time to time, you know. And, uh, right. Oh, yeah. And if it's, you know, really serious, you don't really want to be caught without anything because, like we are saying earlier, no. the gun's not useful uh, if there's no ammo for it. Right. You can't, you can't run the car without gas. Yeah, it's 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 that's you're 100 percent right. A lot of people, the people who have been in the in the business for um, I shouldn't say the business, the people who have been in the shooting for a while. Um, if anybody remembers after 2012, you know the really unfortunate Sandy Hook incident, uh, AR-15s disappeared. They just absolutely disappeared. Um, ammunition, you know, five five six, and for some reason 22 in particular also disappeared. That was the first time I'd ever seen ammo just completely disappear from the shops, and I was blown away. And because of you know. I, I've had that experience. I kind of, and from that point on, I kind of figured, you know, I need to have like, I need to have like a thousand at least at all times for every gun I got. And, um, and I'm glad I do because this happened. And now, you know, suddenly, um, suddenly you don't, 
seem like a hoarder, you know what I mean? Some people, some of these people have like sixteen, seventeen thousand rounds, and suddenly they don't look too. No, suddenly they don't look so crazy. Well, no, and, it's funny. You know, it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, because people that that you know aren't involved in this that don't know, like when when there's a shooting or something that happens, right. and you'll see the news cover it, and they'll they'll go arrest the guy, and they'll say he had a stockpile of five hundred rounds yeah, of ammunition. Yeah, and it's like, like 500 rounds. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a trip to the desert, you know. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Half, and half that's, trip to the desert. you know, 5,000 yeah, is probably minimal. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, people don't have perspective on that kind of stuff. But no, they, they really, they really don't. You know, the thing that was kind of, I don't want to say bothered me, that kind of blew me away. And I, I almost, you know, a little, a little twisted sense of humor that I got. It's, it's almost kind of funny how so many people are against. Uh, firearms, firearms ownership, they know nothing about it. Um, they know nothing about it, but they want to slam it. And then suddenly this happens. I have never, ever, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock somebody for the views. I come from a very progressive family. I'm not going to knock anybody for the views, but you got to know what you're talking about. If you're going to talk about it. Um, so many people who are, who are very anti-gun suddenly are saying, Maybe it's not such a bad idea to have one. <laughs> well, Maybe no, it's better to have it and not need it than the other way around. Well, you know, it's and, funny. Uh, like a family friend uh, of ours uh, was, we, we had this discussion, or I had this discussion with her, and uh -huh. she was telling me, no, I feel very strongly about it because she's a big anti-gun person. I feel very strongly yeah, yeah. about it. But I said, well, that's what fine. do you know about it? And she, and she said, I, I don't know anything about it, but I feel very strong. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> and that's yeah, you know, and it's like, you can say that with a straight face. I, I mean, I could, I'm, I will, I will never talk about something that I, and I know nothing about. I will be honest and say, hey, I don't know anything about brain surgery. Okay. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about it because I know nothing about it. You know, I cannot have an opinion on something. I don't know anything about it. Well, and that was know? tough. Yeah, for me as an engineer too, because I'm, I'm saying, what do you 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 feel very strongly about this, but you don't know anything about, it, and you're telling me you don't know anything about it. But you know, yeah. to her to her credit though, too, she was willing to to come to. We got her to go to a women on target. She got to shoot. Um, she cool. really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if it changed her mind or strong feelings any, but mm -hmm. um, she was willing right. to come and learn some stuff, and uh, she did really enjoy it. So. Well, that's all we, that's all we want. You know, I've seen, I don't know, I can't, I can't even count how many, I'm sure you have too. I don't know how many people, you know, have, uh, maybe like a friend of a friend or, you know, someone, you know, they want to come and they want to try it for the first time. And usually for me, it's like a friend and a new girlfriend or something. And, uh, uh, or one of my sisters and one of the new boyfriends, you know, I got a lot of sisters and, uh, usually they have, of course they don't know what they're doing. They feel pretty strongly anti-gun, but then they shoot and it's like, okay, well, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to see this as more of a, more of a tool. You know, it's it's kind of like fire. You know, fire can be good. It can be bad. It all depends on you know how it's being used. Um, you, you can only stop. A, you know, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. You know, that's that that still rings true. Well, yeah, and you, you were saying um, earlier too. Well, and you probably saw this in the shop. A lot of these, you know, people buying guns nowadays are first-time gun buyers. And uh, oh, yeah. we've been hearing oh, yeah. this from a lot of the different shops that, that people are shocked when they find out there's a 10-day waiting period and they, they look yep. at the process. And these are the people that's that voted thing. for these laws. You know, that's what's uh, it, frustrating. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. You know, it's funny. Uh, every once in a while, someone from SDSU or UC, usually SDSU, uh, will come and they'll ask to speak, you know, to the, the manager. You know, it's me or, or Brian, the range guy. Uh and they, usually they want to make like a collage. They want. They always want to. They always want to get bullet casings 
uh, they always want to get round casings. And usually they make like a collage or some kind of anti-gun thing. And it's like, yeah, okay, but uh, do you know? You know, <laughs> like, you know, do you know? I have a lot of people, uh, a lot of those two people, usually students, uh, have been coming in lately and they kind of you kind of give them another opinion and it sometimes it changes their mind see that's your job is not selling guns it's educating the masses so keep up the good work buddy thank you guys all right don't work too hard that's gun range san diego folks make sure you check out their website go down shoot some rounds and have some fun right here on fm 961 am 1170 the answer This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.